This is Women in a Day, a podcast created to give a deep look at the daily lives of women of all kinds, from sunrise to sunset, with Jenny Halzer and Portia Hensley. Hello, and welcome to Women in a Day podcast. I'm Portia Hensley. I'm here with Jenny Halzer and our special guest today, Maya Diamond. Jenny, read her bio for us. Sure. Maya Diamond is an expert dating and relationship coach who is known for helping women finally find their partner after years of trying so that they can have happy, satisfying, and fulfilling relationships. Maya believes that having a great relationship positively impacts all areas of your life and that by following her simple and deep process for calling in the partner you want, you will have more success and abundance in your career, finances, social life, spiritual development, or anything else that is important to you. Maya is a licensed marriage and family therapist and holds a master's degree in somatic psychology from the California University of Integral Studies. She is also a TEDx speaker. Hi, Maya. Hi. So wonderful to be here. Yeah, we're thrilled to have you. So we just want to jump right in and we should also recommend if you have a minute, make sure you watch Maya's TED Talks because so fascinating, but we have a lot of questions after viewing those. Wonderful. So Maya, how did you get into this field of relationship coaching? And Yeah. So um, I was in grad school and I started working as a life coach because um, I really wanted to just start using my tools that I had been learning in grad school and, you know, my prior background in yoga teaching and massage therapy. And so I kind of just really broke into the life coaching field and was started getting mentored by a coach. And, um, I would say the love and relationship sector really, um, was a deep calling because I grew up with my mom who, uh, was, in lots of different relationships with men and she wasn't, uh, totally met by those partners, um, whether it was my dad or the next partner or the next partner. And so I watched her have a lot of suffering in her love life. And so I had this deep kind of, you know, interest in love and relationships. And that was also the thing that I was constantly supporting my friends around and family and blah, blah, blah. And then also just kind of that mastering of that trauma that I experienced, which was watching her, this amazing, successful, loving, beautiful woman, not be fully happy in her love life. Interesting. And what did you, what did you learn? Through the process of uh, watching my mother go through that or through? Both. Through your education. Yeah. 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 Okay, great. And then the other thing that I should mention around my personal story is also, I think one of the biggest things is for 10 years, I had the pattern of attracting unavailable men. And I really played out that pattern pretty intensely for 10 years. And through my own personal work and professional work, I was able to shift that pattern. And so that's really the pattern that I focus on very, very deeply, which is healing this deep underlying pattern of an addiction to people that are not fully 
uh, showing up, not fully seeing you, not fully, you know, committing to you. And so um, I would say there's kind of that personal background as well as the uh, background around my mother. And um, yeah, and so I would say, you know, I, I've studied everything that I can get. I, I study and studied everything that I can get my hands on in the area of love, dating and relationships and sexuality as well. Um, because it's something that I had to really heal in my own life. And I get to uh, help other women and men as well really heal it in theirs as well. Do you see women with having the same patterns that you had and oh, that yeah. your mom had? Yes, big time. What are the yeah. things that are getting in women's way? in these relationships? Yeah, it's a lot. I would say one of the biggest things is the feeling of not feeling worthy of a partner who has what this woman wants this partner to have. So you, the woman has this desire for this partner with these great qualities, but there's this deep underlying feeling of unworthiness inside, which I would say is a result of our culture, cultural conditioning, teaching women that we're not enough, that we have to look a certain way, that we have to be a certain way in order to have that. And then also whatever patterns happened in the family, in the childhood around love and relationship. So do you think the foundation of your work starts with the like self-esteem work or I would say the foundation of the work is about self love and, and worthiness and the relationship with the self. So what I find is when we really heal that internal relationship with the self, when we really start relating to ourselves as this precious gem that we are, um, as this amazing person that we are, then it's, then we don't, there's no, we don't, we're not interested in these men who can't, or partners, women, whoever you're attracted to that can't meet you. There's not, there's not that pull, right? There's not that addiction. Right. Um, but that needs usually a lot of times that unworthiness is from a primary relationship, whether it's with your mother who was neglectful or your father who was neglectful or abusive or abandoning. And so when we really heal that, those primary relationships, or it could be a sibling relationship, um, when we really heal those on a very deep level, then what I find is my clients start attracting something completely different. And most of my clients say they're now the best relationship of their life. And that's because they have healed these, you know, past traumas, past experiences, and their psyche starts to believe that they can actually have something completely different. And then they start to attract it. Interesting. So do you, do you do that foundational work with the past trauma, past relationships? How do you know if they're healed? And then once you do identify that they're ready, do you mm-hmm. start to do more, I don't know, like situational coaching or what does that look like with your clients? Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of different elements to this work. And I would say, yeah, the healing element is definitely one of the first pieces that we have to address in order for them to attract something different. 
Um, but there's also a really, one of the biggest specialties I have is in um, attachment theory, which is now becoming quite known in the public eye. It was something that mostly only therapists knew about about five years ago, and now there's a lot more books about it, and so people are talking about it. And, um, and so the other thing I help my clients do is really teach them the fundamentals of attachment what their attachment style is, how to heal their attachment style, which we do with the healing the trauma, healing these past experiences, <laughs> creating a new relationship with the self, and then also helping them understand and identify other people's attachment style because some attachment styles are much better suited for each other than some other attachment styles. And so it's a really powerful under when we understand. So attachment is basically the way we're organized around relating. And so when we understand the way we're organized around relating, a we can help. Ha- we can have more awareness around it. We can choose different options around it. But then we can also choose what is going to be a partner that is going to be able to show up in the ways that we need in our love lives. Interesting. What advice do you have for women who are just beginning to date? Maybe they've been in a long-term relationship that's ended. Um, Maybe they've been, they're just kind of new to dating. What advice do you have? Yeah, I would say one of the biggest things that's so powerful is clarity around the vision of what you're calling in. So just like really, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. So just like if you were trying to find a job, it's like when you really get clear inside of what kind of, you know, career or job you want, then it's so much easier to find it. And so same thing with your love life, that clarity around your vision is then going to help bring it to you and it's also going to help you know what it is you're looking for when you're swiping and messaging guys and all of that which is a whole you know there's just so many options now with online dating so do you think it would be helpful if we talked about two different groups of people that you help so maybe people who have not had a long-term committed relationship versus those who have and are then coming out of one because it feels like there might be different stumbling blocks for those two groups yes very different stumbling blocks yeah that would be great so would you say that people who have not found a long-term relationship um and are kind of still working through some things and haven't committed maybe they have an inkling that they have these patterns Right. What do you work on specifically with them? Um, and how do you advise those people to go out and meet someone? Yes. So, yeah, I would say someone who hasn't had a long-term committed relationship and maybe, you know, they could be in their thirties, their forties. And, um, one of the biggest things is that they've become very Mm self-reliant because they, uh, you know, for whatever reasons, usually something from childhood or maybe something from adulthood has put them on that path. And so um, really helping them understand the value of relationship and getting in touch with that deeper need and that deeper desire for it. Because if you don't have that desire 
it's kind of hard to feel motivated around your love life, right? Right. So, so yeah, get definitely getting them in touch with that. And then I would say also um, getting them in touch with their own vulnerable feelings and needs and desires. Because when we become self-reliant, we usually are not as vulnerable to our friends, to our family. And so when we open our hearts and we open up that vulnerable channel, then we can, again, we can relax, we can be relaxed, we can be interdependent with someone else and we can have that true love experience that they're really desiring. Do you think that the majority of those people are using certain methods to meet people? And that do you think that's beneficial or is that... Is I would it? say in this category of people, a lot of them are not doing anything. For example, maybe they're doing something, maybe a little bit of online dating, but then they it doesn't work and they give up. And so they go through and then long periods of no online dating, no looking, no searching, no putting energy into it, just putting energy into their career. And then maybe they do a little bit and then it doesn't work. So it's kind of like a stop and start thing usually. Well, that kind of goes to the old saying that people use, and maybe some people still do, but the minute that you stop looking for it, that's when you find it. So do you think... Yeah, I com- I completely disagree with that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so I am totally <laughs> against that statement. There's a lot of kind of sayings that people say about love and relationship that I don't think are true. And I think they it, it creates kind of a feeling of... Um, you know, I'm just going to leave it up to the universe or I'm just going to, you know, surrender. And it's like, what I find is if it hasn't happened for you yet, then there's, there's something that we can really do to shift that, whether it's healing the past or whether it's helping you with online dating and helping you with messaging and helping you get your profile really great. And so I feel like people don't say that about career and it's not true about career. And so, and what I find is in this day and age is it's not true, very true about love either. And it, it stands to reason that basically what you're saying is I'm handing this over to the universe and if it's not meant for me, then it just won't happen and that I am a deeply flawed hopeless case (laughs) yeah exactly maybe just god doesn't want me to have it exactly yeah and and that seems oh that's not true no yeah you know i was online dating uh for very what i i was doing what i call very smart dating um when i met my partner and i was doing it for a year so to me that shows that gumption that persistence and i had a belief that it was going to happen so you know I, I didn't just I didn't just throw my hands up, and if I had, I I don't we wouldn't have met for sure. So, what do you say to to people who are struggling with that whole that just want to go out and meet someone, you know, the quote unquote old fashioned way? What do yeah. you say? Because that doesn't seem to be the world that we live in right now. No. So what I would say is that you know the way I work with my clients is yeah, like definitely like let's you know, there are places you can go and meet men. There are ways we can up this chance that you're going to meet guys, you know, which is going to these new events, going to parties, putting it out to your network. There's all these ways. And so let's do that. And let's do some online dating also. So we give the universe or God or creation or whoever you want to call it 
ample ways and ample channels for this amazing person to come in. So number one, that. And number two, let's clear out any of that trauma, negative beliefs, negative experiences or blocks in your psyche and your soma, your body, that might be preventing this person from coming in. So I'm sure these women are having several opportunities to meet men through whatever means that you've directed them to. And I'm, yes. I'm sure you did too during your year long of um, dating. How do you, yeah. you're meeting all these people, how do you know when you found the right person? <laughs> I love that question. That's a really good question. Um, I would say it's really um, important to get to know someone before making that decision, number one, um, because I think a lot of people, because of all the Hollywood movies and what we've been taught in our culture that you just, you know, you just have this like magical thing and you feel it and then you know that I would say actually it's a combination of that. So there is like a feeling I think that happens in your body and your heart and like a knowing that happens, a grounded knowing. But there's also the grounded knowing of getting to know this person over time. And to me, that's one of the best ways to really know if this person is right for you is seeing how they show up day in and day out. Um, And so I think it's a combination of that, like kind of knowing in your body, which I help women really know what that feels like in their body because one of the biggest things that happens is that when women have had negative experiences in love they feel like whether it's you know abuse whether it's uh you know yeah verbal abuse physical abuse whether it's you know, men just, or women, their partner just, uh, you know, ghosting or leaving, uh, women tend to stop trusting their body's knowing. And so when we, and their intuition, so when we stop trusting our body's knowing and our intuition, then it's very hard to really listen and to trust our body's knowing and our intuition, which is what you need to know if you're with the right person. Right. And so that's why doing the healing work around those moments when we had that trauma or that loss or that betrayal, which I also had a big betrayal in terms of my relational history that I had to heal. And that, you know, I stu- still do healing work on actually because it was so profound to have my boyfriend cheat on me after six years of being together and trusting, 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 mm. loving, loving, loving. And so I also had to go through that healing experience of having to heal that lack of trust in, in my partner. Is there a difference between the right person and the right relationship? Because is it possible that you find somebody you're madly in love with, but uh-huh. you just don't have a good relationship with? Oh, yeah. Big time. How do you know the difference between that? So I would say, yeah, yeah, I would say that there are a lot of cases, you know, especially in this work I do with women who attract men who aren't available, where, or partners who are unavailable, is that they are madly in love with that person, but the relationship is not healthy. 
And so when the relationship, what I would call a a right relationship is a healthy relationship. And what happens is when two people come together, all of their traumas, all of their triggers, all of their past attachment history is coming together. And so certain people, when they come together, it creates a lot of drama, a lot of discontent, a lot of suffering, a lot of pain, and also maybe a lot of pleasure or, you know, fun or magic or romance, right? Um, But it cannot be, it can be not the right relationship because there's a lack, because you know it's not the right relationship when the relationship is more depleting than it is enhancing of your life, more exhausting and disappointing than it is fulfilling and nurturing. And so it can be a wonderful person even, but it, the, what you create together is not, it's depleting and it's not nourishing. And that's when you're, it's actually going to, just like in my bio that you read at the beginning where you said, you know, I believe it enhances every single area of your life when you're in this fulfilling, lasting, healthy relationship, the exact opposite is true. So when you're in a relationship that's not healthy, it's going to negatively affect every single area of your life. One of your TED Talks is um, about the key to building healthy relationships, and you identify this idea of emotional responsiveness. Can you talk about that? Yeah. Emotional responsiveness is one of the keys to being a healthy, loving partner and to building a healthy, loving relationship. And so ideally, you wanna be emotionally responsive in your partnership and you want your partner to be emotionally responsive. And so emotional responsiveness is being accessible, being engaged and being responsive. So accessible means like, are you there when I call for you? Are you there when I really need you? Like really, you know, you feel like, oh, Like when I need this person, they're there for me. They've got me. They have my back, right? Engaged is like, you know, is this person really engaged in, in what I'm talking about? Are they listening? Are they, you know, really seeing me, hearing me, feeling me that creates this sense of connection inside that we all need. And then, you know, responsive is, you know, when I ask for a hug, are they going to be responsive and give me that hug? Right. You know, and we, none of us are responsive a hundred percent of the time. None of us are accessible a hundred percent of the time. None of us are engaged a hundred percent of the time, but you know, half or more than half the time, this, this is what you want in a healthy, loving relationship is this accessible, responsive and engaged. And this is the exact same thing that children need as well in our relationship with our children. So this creates this healthy, secure attachment when we can be emotionally responsive in our relationships. And so like I talk about in the TEDx is that there's these blocks that we have Um, to being emotionally responsive. And so by really identifying those blocks and healing them, we can be an even more emotionally responsive partner. And I would say we can also receive, a lot of times we have blocks to receiving that emotional responsiveness as well. That's great. I think that's great advice. 
Your other TED Talk is about the swiping generation. Yes, that one is not a TED Talk. That that was at the UCOT conference, which is this really amazing conference in San Francisco that's about the unintended consequences of technology, really looking at that. Right. Can you talk a little bit about that? You you mentioned a little bit about online dating, but... Yeah. Tell us about the unintended consequences of Oof. that. <laughs> yeah. I know, I'm yeah. sure there's a lot, but... There's a lot. So, yeah, course. I would say it's really, you know, this dehumanizing that people feel and talk about with online dating, that it's just like, you know, swiping right, swiping left, and not really treating, you know, there is a lot of kind of ghosting that happens with online. I think ghosting has increased because of online dating, because there's this kind of an anonymity around it where it's easy to just kind of connect with someone really intensely and then be totally gone. Right. It happens so much in online dating. Last night I read about cloaking. Uh Have you heard about that? No. What is that? Oh my God. (laughs) Ghosting to an extreme where you like set up a date they don't show up and then you go to contact them they've un unmatched yeah. with you they've uh, yeah. they've blocked you they've done ghosting yeah. to an extreme ghosting yeah. to, oh my gosh it's like That's invisible cloaking. cloaking yeah invisible cloaking yeah. so let me ask yeah. you Maya yeah. what is the youngest age that you're seeing people start to use dating apps oh i would say definitely in the teens for sure in the teens yeah yeah for sure. So for that generation, um, dating and meeting people as we knew it will yes. pretty much be gone. It's, it's shifted a lot for sure. And, oh. you know, even exactly people in the teens are using Tinder and they're, there's, you know, there's, there's a great, um, film on kind of documentary on Netflix. Um, I can't remember it's called, it's called something like swiping. And, uh, they talk about how, you know, just, yeah, how much apps like this have created this hookup culture. And it's so easy for a 22 year old to just like, you know, have sex with two or three people a week with these apps. Right. And so I think it's really, um, you know, this piece around intimacy, what is intimacy to me? That's, that is the revolution that needs to happen in our culture, which is to really value real intimacy, because I think it is happening. I believe in the field of psychology, we're getting more and more kind of versed in what is authentic intimacy, how to have it, how to really do it well. And then at the same time, there's this culture being created online where we are, you know, not really being intimate where we're, you know, having, we can easily have sex without even knowing someone's name, you know, two or three times a week, we can easily not have these long lasting relationships. We can easily, you know, not really have deep intimacy if we want it. And so it's really up to us to decide what kind of, relationships we want. I don't have judgment around, I think, you know, people can have, you know, sex without knowing the person, right? That's their choice. Mm -hmm. I think the key that I help people do is really get clear on what it is that they want. 
because that's a certain stage of development for a lot of people. And I, you know, which is to be able to play in the field and to experience different people and to have fun. And, you know, but I think it's when you get stuck there, I think that's, that can be very problematic. Do you think it makes it hard when people's intentions on different sites are different? So I think that you said you Mm -hmm. met your boyfriend on Tinder. Tinder. Yeah. Yeah. And, but it turned into a relationship that's really meaningful. And I think Tinder typically has a reputation of being a hookup Hookup site. site. So did you go on Tinder with the purpose of finding a hookup partner or finding a relationship? A relationship. So yeah, that's the big kind of secret that not that many people know is that tons of marriages and relationships start on Tinder. It's the, it's the app that has the most amount of people on it of any app. Mm -hmm. And you're correct. Exactly. That's the thing about Tinder is some people want a relationship. Some people don't. Same with every single dating site out there. That's the truth. How do you sift through that? Yeah. Why can't they just so, have one for just hookups? So, you know, and one for like, right. I want a long-term relationship that might end in marriage. Yes. And they do have that, you know, you know, match and eHarmony. Those are more no and hinge. Those are all no, known and they brand themselves for relationships and people can do whatever they want. So they go on there and they do what they want. Right. Tinder. So I would say the most important thing is really being clear you know, from the beginning about what your intentions are and, um, and asking questions. So you understand where the other person is at as well. So it's all about communication. And when you communicate that, then you, you know, people, people generally tell you where they're at around this. People listen to what people say because they will tell you when you have this pattern of attracting unavailable people, which I did for so long, you, you hear, you don't actually listen to what they are saying because you want, because you have this kind of delusional pattern. And so you, you hear what they say. Maybe they say, Oh, I'm not really ready for a relationship right now. Or, you know, I don't really know if I'm ready. And you, and you move forward anyway, because you want it to not be true. You want to be with this person. You're so drawn to this person and you also unconsciously are, you know, might want to play out your pattern again. So, yeah. Having been somebody who was hurt by infidelity, Mm -hmm. did online dating kind of make you more paranoid? I feel like I would be worried that you start with dating somebody who has all these options and how can you be sure that they're not still continuing? Yeah. 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 I talk about that in the, uh, the UCOT talk, which is that's the people can, you know, pe- people can keep doing online dating when they're in a relationship. Exactly. Yeah. That's definitely something when I would get in a relationship after that betrayal, you know, I would ask, are you still, you know, online And if a lot of times what I encountered was the guy was, but, uh, he wasn't going online, but he he was still had the app on his phone or something like that. And I would just, you know, I just asked like, will you take that off of your phone? And then that really helped me feel more secure. Just having to ask, did that make you uncomfortable too? Or maybe 
like give you sort of a red flag that you would have to ask or did it just depend um, on the person? I think it depends. Like people have a very, everyone has a different relationship with online dating and, and some people are not as organized or as, you know, like it, it doesn't have to have a lot of meaning. Okay. Um, I think sometimes it does and sometimes it doesn't. And so, yeah, I'm remembering for this particular boyfriend, you know, it really wasn't that big of a deal. It was just like, you know, sure, no problem, you know. So, so I think it's I think it depends on, you know, each person. And, and yes, ideally it's great if the person's like, I, you know, by the way, I took myself online. You know, they're kind of claiming you claiming it, claiming the relationship and, and really showing you that they want to help you feel safe. Yeah, totally. So what advice do you have for people who have, we talked about this a little bit earlier, but people who have been in a long-term relationship and I think it's what we used to call baggage, you know, they have kids or they have other commitments divorce mm-hmm. they've yeah. dealt with divorce mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I like to think of it as that they just have a very full life and they have a lot of life experience but yeah. what advice do you have for someone who's coming out of that long term relationship who now finds themselves in a place of having to navigate this okay for that person so yeah so number one would be heal make sure to heal whatever um, it might be left over from that previous long-term relationship that ended because even it, you might think you're over it, but there might be some deeper layers, heart layers that you need to heal in order to fully be available for the next partner. So that's number one. I think that's a bit, that's a very good number one because yeah. I think for some people you get out of a relationship that's been so draining and exhausting and you feel so liberated yeah. Maybe that feeling of liberation makes you think that you're ready to just move forward and start a new life. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And then number two would be um, to learn how to date. So a lot of times when you're in a long-term relationship, you, you know, maybe met them in college or you met them from friends and like, exactly. Then they're these people, you know, they're, let's say like a 45 year old woman, she's put back into the dating world. It's a completely different, you know, space than it was 20 years ago. And she, she really needs to learn how to date. Because if she doesn't learn how to date, A, she might repeat her same pattern that she created in the past, and B, she might really get hurt by the process. So part of what I do is I help my clients understand, like, you know, these guys who are flaky or people who are flaky online, it's not about you, that's them, and that's just, you know, not people that you, that's, you know, I help them basically be a little less sensitive to this, the ghosting behavior, to right. the lack of messages back, whatever is going on, so that they can plow ahead in a really healthy way because there are great people online. There are great people offline. And a lot of people have a hard time really feeling that and knowing that, but it's the truth. 
And so, you know, teaching them how to, there's like little tweaks in terms of online dating that make this huge difference. And not only, right, I did the unavailable pattern for 10 years, but I also online dated for on and off for 10 years, right? And so there's nothing like personal experience to really understand how to, it's an art and a science. And so when done correctly, it works. So teaching them really having this person learn how to date effectively is huge. I think that's so important because I have all these great friends in Portia. I'm sure you do too. And it's like, I see them, they're successful, they're loving, they're all these things and they have kids or they have, you know, whatever it is. And it's just not happening for them. And it's like, I, you know, I'm like every time I meet an eligible person, (laughs) like who would he be good for? Who would she be good for? But it's just, it's not coming together for them. And it's really disappointing to watch yes send them to maya i know send them to maya yeah yep now you know exactly (laughs) percent yep so maya we always ask our guests uh what is the best piece of advice you've ever received can you share that with us oh i love that question so good let me just feel into that for a sec I would say this is just coming up really strong for me. So I'll just go with it, which is that my friend said, you know, in a long-term relationship, eventually you've said everything, you know, you've said a lot to each other. Right. Mm -hmm. And so there's going to be these, this silence between the two of you. And so be with someone where in silence, you really feel good. You feel that connection because that is, you know, to be able to be in silence together and to experience that love and connection together in silence is one of the most important things. So I love that. Nice. And I think just being able to have silence at all in a relationship is sometimes a gift in itself. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Learning how to be silent with yourself and silent with a partner. Yep. All right. Well, thank you. Yeah. Well, I'm sure people are going to want to find out more about Maya. So you can Google her TEDx talk. You can also find her at mayadiamond.com. And yeah, we really recommend, um, you know, look at the resources that she has. If any of these issues have come up for you or you're curious how you can move past some of those blocks and find an awesome partner. And I want to ask one other website that's super, super important to share, if that's okay. Yeah, please do. Wonderful, which is I have this amazing uh, group program specifically for this pattern of attracting unavailable men or partners. Um, and really healing that pattern on a very deep level. It's a program that has so much support and so much wisdom and so much, so many tools. And we've had just such amazing results. And so if you're interested in that, you can go to empowerlove.us 
forward slash join to watch this beautiful free webinar that I've created so that you can learn about the pattern even deeper. And then at the end of that webinar, you will be invited to a free call, free one hour love breakthrough session with a member of my team. Super excited about that program. It's so, so powerful and so exciting. And, um, yeah, just really, really passionate about this particular issue. I'm also writing a book on this topic around really how to heal this relationship with love and find a healthy, available partner. We love that. So, and we will definitely make sure we link that website on womeninadaypodcast.com too. I'm sure it's time and money very well spent. Thank you. Thank Save you so much. Save your swiping finger for a little bit and <laughs> take yeah. a break and go see Maya. <laughs> Thank you. So wonderful to chat with you two today. Thank you to Maya Diamond and thank you to our editor, Tony Tarbox. Yes, and you can find us on Instagram at Women in a Day Podcast or at womeninadaypodcast.com. Thank you so much, Maya. You're welcome.